Welcome to New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit newhoperock.org. That's newhoperock.org. Come on, somebody. What an awesome time of worship. Just want to uh, welcome all those that are watching right now, New Hope Community Church. We love you. We bless you. Um, we are in Las Vegas, yeah. and uh, we were able to broadcast this to you. And so um, what a sweet time of worship. Hope you enjoyed that. And uh, we're excited to be sharing today. Yes. My wife and I are going to tag team. So we want you to engage on the post. Make sure that you're commenting. Put some emojis there. Come on, some fire emojis, some clapping of the hands, that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, it really helps us. Matter of fact, right now, if you just take a second, share the post, share this video right now, and just ask people to join. Say, hey, my church is streaming right now. Uh, join me. My pastors are going to be preaching. And so we'd love you to do that just to get people to engage. Amen. So this morning, we're going to be talking about uh, vision. And one of the things that the Lord laid on our hearts was three progressive manifestations of vision within a church family and in the body of Christ. I think that um, this is threefold in a couple different ways, and we're going to go through three different manifestations that are somewhat of a progressive uh, unfolding of what vision looks like in a community. The same way that I have vision in my own life, and then we have vision in a local body or church, and then there's vision for the body of Christ. There's a progressive unfolding. And so we're going to be talking about that. I want to open up, if you have your Bibles, your phones, Proverbs 29, 18. This is a very familiar text. I'm going to read it in uh, two different translations. Most of us know it in the New King James or King James. Without vision, the people perish. But I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation first. Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. You know, I kind of feel like this is happening now in the church because we're not meeting in a building. It affects people. And it's important that we keep our prophetic vision alive inside of us. When you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. So good. Now in the message, it says this. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. I'm going to hand it to you. Let's open up and talk about different ways people navigate. And let's talk about point number one. Point number one is we need pioneering leaders. Pioneering leaders. So when we talk about vision unfolding, point number one would be pioneering leaders. So I love um, road trips, and I always drive on a road trip um, because I get carsick, and so my husband is the unfortunate one who has to tell me where to go. And so he likes to tell me, like, 10 steps at a time. And I'm a very, um, like, I need... I need the next, like the next time we're going to turn, just let me know, like give me just a tiny bit of warning and let me know we're going to turn. If you tell me three steps further, I'm going to forget them. And there was this time we're driving in the car and uh, a friend of ours is like, she's navigating and she's like, okay, ready? Turn now. 
<laughs> okay, turn right. now. And that's how I like to navigate, but that's not how Zach likes to navigate. Na Zach has to um, open up the whole map yes. and see from start to finish where we're going, any hurdles that might be in the way, um, any, um, any detours we might need to take, any traffic. And what's important when we talk about pioneering leadership is when we have people in our life that are able to navigate and see the whole picture, they're able to help us on our journey yeah. to see the places where we might need to make a detour. We might need to pull over to the side of the road. We might need to pause. We can't turn down a certain road. It might look like we can, but if we see the whole picture, that road leads someplace we're not supposed to go. And so we have to be able to see, have that vision to, to expand and, and open it up so that the whole picture is in front of us. That's the kind of really the pioneering leadership that we need in our life to really be able to walk this out. So good. I love this. You know, when we talk about vision, I think sometimes this is overemphasized. Like when you come into a church and you're part of a church, well, what's the vision of the pastor? Which is important. And we're going to unpack this a little bit, but that's not where it ends. And how many know that like as leaders, we cannot see for you. You have to see for yourself. We need prophetic revelation. And so pioneering leaders is point number one of this progression. And let's talk about this a little bit because what you just said is what's important. We wrote this down here. When we know what's further ahead, we avoid unnecessary detours. That's why we need different perspectives. This is why it's important even when we're hearing from the Lord. Like I have people in my life that can question my God told me. Yep. If they can't question it, then I've become, my, I've become my own God voice. I need people to be able to speak. My ability to hear God is refined in healthy relationships and community. Amen. And so uh, what's important about having pioneering leaders is leaders that capture the heart of God. And let's read this scripture and let's unpack this a little. Ephesians 4, just before this, in verses 11 the Bible talks about Jesus' gifts that he ascended into heaven and he gives gifts to the church. These gifts are people, the hardest ones to receive because they're wrapped in human flesh. <laughs> Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. But these gifts are given to equip the church, to build up the church. But I want to read these couple verses here because this is really profound. Verse 14 through 16 in Ephesians 4 in the New Living Translation. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body if you're, as you're watching this, type in the comment, the whole body, mm -hmm. the whole body of Christ. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Now, this is powerful and we can unpack this, mm -hmm. but how do we learn the heart of God? We need pioneering leaders. We need leaders when we come together. We need a church body, a family, and church is family. But when we come together, he fits us together in his presence. And this is what happens. We, we learn how to love. We're taught by God how to love. The rest of the verse says, as each part does its special work. In other words, every part of the body does its part. Yeah. So the vision 
the healthy vision of a pioneering leader activates and releases the body to do what it's created to do. And you can type this in the comment section, a church or a body that is not releasing people in their gifts is not a thriving church, nor a church that advances the kingdom. So we have to capture the heart of this. And Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus. He's like, every part of the body does what it's created to do when it's equipped in the right way. So So powerful. And this happens in the presence of the Lord. Um, I want to ask you to read this in a minute. This is something that we wrote uh, uh, several months back, and it's about worship. And sometimes when we talk about worship, we think of it as just vertical. Mm -hmm. But in fact, true worship is always vertical and horizontal. In other words, our worship to God is going to reflect on how we love and serve one another in the presence of the Lord. And this is how a body comes alive in what they're created to do. Um, the other, you don't know this, but the other day we were worshiping. My wife, my daughter and I were, uh, were, were practicing the worship songs for this, this time. And, uh, and I looked over at you, and you remember when I was joking around and singing that song? And I just did a spontaneous song, Singing My Love to You. Yes. Uh, serenading my bride with my love. Come on, somebody. Uh, I, for a moment, I had this thing shift in my heart. And as I'm worshiping the Lord and I'm experiencing the presence of God, I'm like, I wanted to put the guitar down and come wash your feet. And there was something in me that God does. And this is what God does. When we're in the presence of God, he does something in our hearts. And we capture his heart. And when we capture his heart, we just want to love. And love is other-centered, self-giving, sacrificial love. And I want you, if you would, in your beautiful, eloquent voice, would you just read this? And and just this is just going to expound on the reality before we go to the next point, that worship isn't just vertical, but it's also horizontal. Amen. Amen. So good. I love you. Worship is first our participation in the vicarious humanity of Christ. Because of his love that was poured out in the incarnation, we now participate in that Mm. grace and life of true worship. We love him because he first loved us, and it flows out of us in so many ways. It flows out of us with our entire lives, not only in our corporate times of songs, hymns, creative expression, or participating in a liturgy, any of those things, and not discounting those things at all, but also worship is loving our families, our brothers, our sisters, Loving the broken, feeding the hungry, serving one another, forgiving one another, washing one another's feet. Our very lives become a fragrance of Christ in and through us to the Father. Mm. All of this is a resonance of the gift of grace and life given to us in Christ. Our love and devotion to God is sourced in the reality that we have been woven into the life, love, and fellowship of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. True worship resonates perichoresis. Worship is living out the life of the Trinity in and through us. And all this glory and honor we participate in is sourced in the humble love we see and know through the incarnation of God in the person of Jesus Christ. So good. good. Beautiful. What I love about that is uh, this true worship resonates perichoresis. 
Perichoresis is the Greek word some of the early church fathers came up with to describe the relationship with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the relationship with the Trinity and how they are distinct and yet one. And, and that's the way that vision, capturing God's heart, pioneering leaders never run ahead of you so far that they leave you behind. So they infuse courage in you to say, come on, let's go together yeah. because you're a part of this thing. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Number one, pioneering leaders, the first manifestation vision. Number two, type number two in the comment section. Come on, keep sharing and keep uh, engaging on the post. And if you say amen, just type amen since you're not in the room right now. Number two, prophetic culture. Number one is pioneering leaders. Number two, prophetic culture. In other words, a church that captures prophetic revelation, not only will have visionary leaders that, that run and want to change the spiritual climate and want to release the kingdom in all spheres of society and want to see the church thrive and grow and people come alive, but also a prophetic culture will be established. In other words, a culture, a way of life that a people will prophesy. Like we will be a prophetic people. And that doesn't always mean thus says the Lord, uh, you know. Like prophesying is not just, uh, um, it's, it's not just saying thus says the Lord. A prophetic culture doesn't have to be overly spiritual or weird. Yeah. A prophetic culture is people that declare what God says in the earth. Yeah. Now let's talk about this. This is so profound. Yeah. I want you to read 1 Corinthians 14 if you would, honey. Let's unpack this. I love this in the message. It's so good because we've all read 1 Corinthians 14 and we know all about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, especially if you're raised in any kind of Pentecostal church. You know these verses by heart. Like I want to everybody to speak in tongues and everybody to prophesy, but it's so good in the message. It says, go after a life of love as if your life depended on it because it does. It just sums it all up that we are so dependent on living a life full of love. Give yourselves to the gift, um, to the gifts God gives you. Most of all, try to proclaim his truth. If you praise him in the private language of tongues, God understands you, but no one else does. For you are sharing intimacies just between you and him. And we're so grateful for our prayer language. That moment, those moments we have with, with our father. But when you proclaim his truth in everyday speech, you're letting others in on the truth so they can grow and be strong and experience his presence with you. That is what a prophetic culture looks like. That is what prophesying does. It lets people share with you the truth that God is is put inside of you so they can grow, they can be strong, and they can experience the presence of the Lord with you. See, so many times in so many cultures, we've elevated the prophetic gift as like this pinnacle of where the church is supposed to be. And if I get a word from so-and-so, I have arrived. Or if I can prophesy like so-and-so, I've made it. That's not what it's about. The prophetic gift and a prophetic culture is so that we can experience the presence of our Papa together in unity and in love. So good. Love is the edification. Love is the purpose. Love is the point, right? So good. And we're created to be rooted in that before the gifts manifest out of our lives. Mm. 
I mean, I love that. Like, what if we learned that the body of Christ and the gifts that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit give us, and these are in reference to the gifts of the Spirit, but what if we realize all of these are to be a symphony, not just a solo? A healthy prophetic culture. A prophetic culture that we don't need to be pointing out the dirt, but we call out the gold in people's life. And I think we, we do it sometimes in our prayers, but a healthy prophetic culture, we learn to do that. And it's also a culture of significance mm. because what we're doing when we prophesy is we're bringing comfort, encouragement, and we're building up. We're not tearing down. And, and what's powerful about it is we are literally adding value in the spirit to who someone is in the Lord. And God is expressing his very heart and nature through us as we proclaim his word and those words affect and when we, when we walk in this as a people, it, it just shifts, it shifts the atmosphere so and, it, and it changes the culture and the communities that we live in. Uh, we, we're going to talk a little bit about this. What we learn in a prophetic culture is that every part of the body is significant. And now Paul unpacks this in 1 Corinthians 12 when he lists all the gifts of the spirit. And he says, just like the human body, every part needs to do its share. This is what it boils down to. And, and we, we come alive. So vision, prophetic vision as a community, what happens is we have pioneering leaders, but then that gets on the people. And I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5, just a couple verses after this. I wish you could all speak in tongues. Let me just tell you right now, the prayer language is for you. Amen. Anybody I disciple, you need to be praying in tongues. Yes. Anyone that comes to me, you have to spend time praying in the spirit and building up your spirit and it will change your life. Yes. Paul says, I want you all to speak in tongues. Matter of fact, later he says, I, sp- I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he says this though, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. Yes. All yes. is the key word. Yes. We're all created to be prophetic. And that doesn't mean thus says the Lord. I love when people prophesy and they don't even know it. They're just speaking truth and love. They're just releasing hope and destiny. They're They're just speaking life and it's just flowing out of them organically. What if we just organically prophesied all the time because we have the, the captured the heart of God and we're declaring his word. We need to see vision unfold in a community in a prophetic culture. Let's read this verse right here. This is so powerful. What's, what's good about this is that we don't, we, we're not all gifted the same. There's different graces, yeah. you know? And so if everyone's doing their part, we realize that, that everyone, uh, we're not, we don't need to fix each other. Mm-hmm. We need to just own what God's given us. That's and and it, that's the beauty of it. Everyone, everyone does their part. So now a lot of us know this scripture. If you know it in the King James, it's let him who speaks speak as the oracles of God. And I've heard that quite a bit, but I want to read this in 1 Peter 4, 7, because it just ties all this in. Uh, it's so powerful. Above all, this is 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. Above all, constantly echo God's intense love for one another. So so Come on. For love will be a canopy over a multitude of sins. Mm-hmm. We're not pointing the dirt out. We're calling out the gold. Yeah. Come on. It doesn't mean we're not telling the truth. It doesn't mean we don't correct or speak truth, but we say it in love. Then he goes on, he says, be compassionate to foreigners without complaining. Every believer has received grace gifts, so use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many-colored tapestry of God's grace. Now, verse 11, for example, if you have a speaking gift, speak 
as though God were speaking his words through you. Mm. Wow. If I could learn to do that as a husband Mm. and as a father and as a leader, I mean, can you imagine if we just, the words that are coming out of our mouth are words of honor that build up and they're words from the very heart of God. They're prophetic vision that isn't just in the heart, but it's released in a word. This is the progress. This is what happens. Now, as we segue into point number three, what's profound about this, and this is something I believe the Lord gave us early on in our ministry, is this revelation. A lot of times we think a vision is just a mission statement or some sort of actual vision written down, write it down, make it plain. You know, we have all these scriptures, so we put our vision on a church website. But I just want to encourage you that it's much more than that. And this progressive unfolding, what's important about it is that we, and I want to read this to you. We need leaders to change, to charge the way, to spearhead and pioneer. It gives us courage and faith to run. But the goal is not just to have one or two leaders with the vision for the whole body. In one sense, that's how it starts. But the goal is for all of us to capture his vision. So So when a church has healthy prophetic revelation, catch this, we see with the eyes of heaven. Oh my goodness. I mean, can you imagine a community coming alive and, and we're all learning this. We're all on this journey. We could all prophesy better. We could all capture his heart better. But being in a prophetic culture, the goal is, is that we capture his heart, we speak his word, and then we learn to see with his eyes. Point number three, we have perceiving eyes. Mm-hmm. Type it in the comment section. Come on, somebody. Perceiving eyes. We need to have his vision. Yeah. Um, as a leader, I want people to know my vision. But first, I want you to know my heart. And ultimately, my prayers is that we all have his vision. And, and those are not separate in any way, um, but we all see for ourselves, and, and we're doing our part in the body of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this is a beautiful scripture. Uh, verses 14 through 18 in the Passion Translation. For it is Christ's love that fuels us, our passion and motivates us. Because we are absolutely convinced that he has given his life for all of us, this means all died with him. Check this, verse 15. So that those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives, but lives that are poured out for him. The one who died for us and now lives again. Now verse 16, we're gonna focus on this. So then from now on, we have a new perspective that refuses to evaluate people merely by their outward appearances. Come on. A new perspective, perceiving eyes. Heaven's eyes for not just one another, but all of humanity. Mm. For that's how we once viewed the anointed one, it says here, uh, but no longer do we see him with limited human insight. We have a new perspective. So So beautiful. Then he goes on. We all know this verse, uh, verse 17 of 2 Corinthians 5. Now, if anyone is unfolded, into Christ. He has become an entirely new creation. All that is related to the older has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new, and God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. So So as we capture the heart of God, we declare his word and we speak life, and then we we begin to see with his eyes. We see one another. And this, and it just causes us to come alive. You want to read this scripture and let's unpack 
what this looks like in a community. So Matthew 9, 35 and 36 says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease. Come on, that means COVID too, among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Mm. What I love about um, just the unfolding of this message is this idea that every single person Mm. in a community has just as much value and significance as the person next to them, as the person in front of them, as the person on the platform. When we look at the way that God is revealing himself in these scriptures, we see the new perspective we have is that every person, when doing their part, every person in a community, when when answering the call of God on their life, when saying yes to Jesus, when, when saying yes to vision, when saying yes to having prophetic eyes, what happens is we become this mobilized army of the living God. We become fitly framed together because we're in his presence and in his presence we know who he is we find out who we really are and now we see everybody differently and that is the community i believe that god is raising up right now all over the globe A, a community where we are looking at each other and seeing gold and value that's right we're seeing purpose and plans. We're seeing what God has the deposited in the people around us. And it no longer becomes this show about me or this what can I do with my gifts. It's, it's about how can I choose to put love on, see value in people, and watch God walk that out in their life. I just love that. The beauty of this is how the value that you have, that I have, and that we all have as a community, as a people, and as the body of Christ is unique. Yeah. Nobody has the same DNA. Nobody has the same fingerprint. So good. And nobody is gifted the way you are, yeah. the way I am, the way you are. We're all uniquely different. And we're all an expression of his love right. made in his image. And that's why it's important for us to, to catch that if I don't have, like, it's not, just because I'm significant, it doesn't mean we're all at the same level to where, well, I can't really sing, but I'm going to tell the worship leader that he's doing everything wrong. Right. (laughs) When we know our value, we know who we are, and we do what we're created to do. So So our value is based upon the unique graces and giftings that God has, that comes alive when we know who we are. When we're rooted and grounded in the love of God, that we're sons and daughters, before we do anything else, Our gifts come alive the way we're created to. And we move away from this solo mentality to a symphony where all of the body is making a sound together. Now in closing in this thought, we're going to close with this uh, reference that we we talked about earlier in Ephesians chapter 4. Because there's a difference between a gathering and an assembly. I posted this on my Facebook recently. I said the church uh, is a spiritual building that cannot be dismantled. And what's powerful about this in the scriptures, it talks about that we're living stones. Mm. The church is not the building, but the church is a building. Oh, what do you mean, pastor? The church is a spiritual building. Paul says to the church of Corinth, you are God's building. 
Paul says in Ephesians, a couple chapters before this, he says, we are living stones fitly framed together to make a dwelling place for God in the spirit. And so this is the difference between a gathering and an assembly. Ephesians 4.16 says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly in his presence. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. We don't just need pioneering leaders. We need a prophetic culture and we need to have his vision together. Amen. Amen. It's just like if I gathered a bunch of parts of a car and I just set them here in front of us, it doesn't really do much unless these parts are assembled. The same vision that we have in Ezekiel 37 where there, Ezekiel's taken on the high mountain and he sees this valley full of dry bones. And the Lord says, what do you see to the prophet? And, and the prophet answers smart. He says, you know, Lord. Hmm. If you don't know the answer, that's always the right answer. <laughs> you know, Lord. And then God begins to say, I want you to prophesy that these dry bones come back to life and come together. They were just a gathering of dry bones, hopeless, death. Mm -hmm. And then he commanded the winds of heaven to prophesy. And these bones came together. And what happened? It went from a gathering to an assembled army of the living God. And that's what happens when we catch the vision of heaven. We have pioneering leaders, which are gifts to the church. We become a prophetic people. We're declaring the word of the Lord. And now we begin to see with his eyes and we carry out the will of God in the earth. So powerful. I want you to be encouraged that God's breath is breathing on you. His spirit is moving on you to come alive. I want to pray off hopelessness. I want to pray off despair. I want to pray off any burdens. During this time, you know, we're all in quarantine. It's like, I got to get out of the house. And man, listen, you, some of you have fallen into depression and I just command that thing to come off of you right now in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you right now that you're opening our eyes to see from heaven's perspective. We thank you for the vision that is manifesting in our midst. Thank you for pioneering leaders, a prophetic culture and perceiving eyes. I bless your people right now. I want you to comment in the comment section. Lord, I receive it. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for this wonderful time of worship uh, and and this time in your presence. We want to be assembled and mobilized for purpose. So we receive it now, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. We love you, saints. Bless you. If you need prayer, post your prayer request uh, down below, and make sure you share this with a friend to encourage someone else. All right, we love you. God bless you. Thanks so much for listening to this week's message. Our prayer is that you've heard a now word for your own life and experienced the life-changing presence of God.